Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckus. How are we doing on this glorious Tuesday? You know, happy Chinese New Year, guys. It is a glorious Tuesday as per usual on the Arash Markazi Show. What uh, do we know what year it is? What is the animal? Um, <laughs> it's tiger, right? I think it's tiger. I, I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, we uh, listen, we got some news this morning. I mean, not news because we kind of knew it was going to happen. I, I think generally speaking, when um, Adam Schefter reports something, it's going to be true. Tom Brady, I think, wanted to do it on his own terms. He wanted uh, to put it on Instagram. Listen, this is 2022. You don't have a press conference. I, I think even Players Tribune is kind of something that you don't really do anymore. So he put a, it on social media, and it's very clear that Tom wanted to do this on his own terms. There's no doubt in my mind that he knew he was going to retire, but he didn't want the news to be broken by Schefter on uh, the Saturday before Conference Championship Sunday. So he is retired. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, you could say the greatest football player of all time. I mean, uh, just uh, when you look at his career, 20 seasons, he played in a Super Bowl 10 of those seasons and won seven Super Bowls. I mean, when you talk about the GOAT, I mean, he is the absolute GOAT. I mean, when you you compare him to Michael Jordan and uh, Wayne Gretzky and things like that, but to to win seven, again, for, for the time... I was growing up in GAU as well. I mean, I think Joe Montana was the gold standard. You know, he won five, and it's like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, how how are you going to do that? I mean, that was effectively like Michael Jordan six. And so for Tom not only to win seven, but to play in ten Super Bowls, because I think that gets lost in this. I, I think some people like the fact that Jordan played in six finals and won all six, and that Montana played in five Super Bowls and won all five. Well, they also played more than just those seasons. So I would rather have a quarterback that leads you to the brink of a championship. And listen, if things don't go his way, that, that's that's fine. I mean, GA, most fans are, you know, that, that went up against Tom Brady don't like Tom Brady, but you're Giants. You have great memories of Tom Brady. I mean, the Giants beat the uh, New England Patriots and Tom Brady twice. If it wasn't for your New York football Giants, GA, he would have nine Super Bowls. Well, I mean, you also don't you also don't remember that the NFC East or the NFC least um, is the only conference that really made Tom Brady not a legend. So right, so you hold up. I mean, he is a legend, but he would have if if it wasn't for the two teams in the division. You're one hundred percent right. Philadelphia and the Giants; those were the three teams that beat him. So if it wasn't for your Giants twice and Philadelphia once. I mean, it's crazy to say this, but he would have won 10 Super Bowls. Yeah. So, again, as as a Giants fan, I have no quarrels, no qualms, <laughs> no problems whatsoever with Tom Brady. He is the GOAT. He is the man. He is the ultimate quarterback. He is the best player in the NFL. He will always be the, the GOAT of all time. I have no issues with him whatsoever. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that he... We also were 
a uh, wild card going up against him. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, nobody should really truly be mad at Tom Brady as a Giants fan. Uh, I, I think, again, he, he's like the Coach K standard of, of all time, in my personal opinion. Uh, you can't hate on this guy. Like, what a great career. What a fantastic person, as uh, Tully told us yesterday. Again, no issues, no no problems with him whatsoever. Yeah. So, again, as a Giants fan, you can't hate on him because we did beat him twice, uh, took away that golden record, uh, as uh, a lot of Giants fans know, uh, that uh, untainted record, I guess, untainted record. Yeah. Like, um, so no, no issues whatsoever with Tom Brady. He is the goat. Armani buckets. You're, you're, you're not the biggest football fan, but a part of that is because your Chicago bears have failed to get a quarterback, uh, quite like Tom Brady. You've, you've struggled with a lot of different quarterbacks. Any moments that stick out to you about uh, Tom Brady? I think uh, the, well, from a bears Patriots perspective, there was a, there was a, famous juke that he made on Brian Urlacher and I think it was 2006 2007 and that uh that was my first experience dealing with the goat because it seemed like the bears were going to win that game and then all of a sudden Tom Brady takes off for like a 10 yard run to seal the game and then jukes out our best player uh, it just seemed like the guy could win any time he really put his mind to it except obviously against G Hayes Giants and Nick Foles. But um no, other than that, I would say twenty-eight to three probably stands out the most coming back from twenty-eight to three in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Because that just kind of that added to his his folklore. It added to his legend, I think more than for me at least, more than any other moment because it just seemed like any odds, as insurmountable as they may have seemed, he could always overcome them. No doubt about it. And I was so lucky to be in the building for that 28 to three comeback. I just remember, uh, you know, shooting like images of Patriots fans going out for a smoke. And I mean, they were about ready to quit. I mean, you know, 28 to three third quarter. Uh, I mean, I think the hope at that point was like, can we, can we just make it a close game? So for the uh, Patriots to come back, and win that game, amazing. I was also in the building in Minneapolis when Philadelphia came back to beat the, the, the Patriots. That was an incredible uh, game. Unfortunately, I was there for the Rams-Patriots games, a depressing, low-scoring, brutal game to watch. Uh, hopefully that won't be the case at SoFi. Gee, a lot of people are comparing the Cincinnati Bengals, the 10-7 and Cincinnati Bengals, to your New York football giants as in terms of being a wild-card team. No one thought that they'd be in that position. Um, do you see any comparisons? I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm assuming the Rams uh, are, are hoping that they're not like your uh, Giants so that they, they don't uh, lose that game. But again, a, a team no one thought could do it, and, and they, they go on the road twice. Obviously, they went to Kansas City, came back from two touchdowns down, two touchdowns down and, uh, to win that game. First of all, you have to you have to take into consideration that we were not ten and seven when we were trying to contend for a Super Bowl. We were the ultimate wild card when it came to that. Um, Joe Burrow is not Eli Manning. Joe Burrow is somebody that is going to be the next big thing. He's going to be the next big quarterback, in my personal opinion. And I know that's a huge ask. That's a huge saying, but everybody has to admit that Joe Burrow, he goes from the LSU championship. 
He, it, we can even take it further back. He goes from being a, a you know, a backup at uh, Ohio State. Yeah. Then goes to winning a championship the following year at LSU with Ogeron, whose job is probably on the line. Then he goes to Cincinnati being one, one of the high draft picks. And then he goes um, after that, like being injured um, at his r- rookie year. And then he goes to now competing for a Super Bowl. You cannot compare this kid to being an Eli Manning and being a Giants quarterback. Like, it, th- th- those are not comparable. Yeah. It's just not. He's not any anything like the Giants. Also, they don't have the Giants' defense like the defense that the defense had um, back in those days. Um, so no, this is not like the New York Giants. Uh, it's not comparable whatsoever. I think that they have a little bit more of a chance of competing just because the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have a little bit more of a chance. I think it shouldn't be. Uh, what What is the line, by the way? You know, uh, it's, so it's moved up, Jihei, and I, I think we both predicted that would happen. It is up to four and a half yeah. right now. I'll, I'll I'll just get the latest one. But, you know, immediately following the game, it was three, moved up to three and a half, four. I think it's up to four and a half right now. Uh, I think as people start to kind of break down this game. I mean, I think if you were to say, what is the one matchup to watch for? What will this game come down to? The big one is the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line against the Rams defense. I mean, we've seen many times during the course of this season and in the postseason where Joe Burrow does not have a lot of time and he is down on his back a ton. Um, and so, I mean, if, if, if the Rams can get to him, and put him down. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want anyone to, to get hurt. But, I mean, again, to, to your point, the Bengals are here because of Joe Burrow. And, and if something happens to him, um, the, Cincinnati has no chance. So, again, the line has moved up some. We'll see how that uh, progresses during the week. The, the over-under is 50 so, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid number. You know, like I, I, I could totally see this being a 28, uh, you know, 21 game, 28 to 24 or something like that. So uh, but I think it will come down to defense. I think it will come down to the pressure that that the Rams can put on Joe Burrow. The interesting kind of storyline as well. Remember going back to last Sunday. And people were saying, well, you know, how many Rams fans are going to show up? And one of the uh, things that I said was, like, listen, the get-in price, the cheapest ticket to go see that game on Sunday at SoFi Stadium is $700. And I just think that's a lot of money to ask a new fan base. Again, they, they the Rams have been back in Los Angeles for six years. And so I think that is a situation where... You know, I think a fan would pay a couple of hundred or, you know, maybe 200, 300, 400. I mean, and, and even that's a lot. But to, to say the cheapest tickets, so you're not even getting a good seat. You know, the last seat in the last row of the end zone is 700. That seat, guys, for the Super Bowl, $7,000. So times it by 10. Um, I, I just wonder what this crowd is going to look like. I think, generally speaking, during the Super Bowl, it's a very neutral crowd. It's a very corporate crowd. It's a very, you know, it's not going to feel like a home game. But I'm very interested to see what the crowd at SoFi will look like. By the way, Cincinnati has been designated by the National Football League as the home team. Uh, that does mean that they get to pick the uniforms that they wear. The Rams then have to pick theirs based on that. So what that means is if Cincinnati wears black, 
the Rams would have to wear white, things like that. I do think, and I'll have to get this confirmed, I do think the Rams get to use their home locker only because there's technically two home lockers at SoFi. Again, the Chargers have a home locker room and the Rams have a home locker room. So I, I, I think, I know the league wants this to feel like a neutral site game. I do think it would be weird if the Cincinnati Bengals were in the Rams locker room pregame. No, no doubt on that one. Kudos, by the way, to Cincinnati for giving everybody the day off the yeah. next day. The the next day of the uh, – so technically Valentine's Day, but they are giving everybody the next day off, for which I, I personally think should be a national holiday. I don't know if anybody agrees with me on this one, but I think that the day after Super Bowl, you know, everybody's out celebrating regardless of who you cheer for. Everybody is having a great time for the Super Bowl, and I think that that should be an automatic holiday. And Cincinnati already jumped the gun on that one and, t- and took that into consideration. 100%. And people are taking the day off. I've thought that for years. I, I, I think no matter what, I mean, I get it for the um, home city uh, because it's either one of two things. Either you've had a lot to drink to celebrate or you've had a lot, a lot to drink to because you're depressed, you're a team loss. I think either way, because of the number of parties the, for the Super Bowl. Again, I mean, like if if like if your team is not playing, it doesn't matter. You're you're going to go to a friend's house. You're going to watch the game. So I've always felt, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. The, the Monday after the Super Bowl should be a holiday. People should be encouraged to have a good time and enjoy themselves. I'm just glad that we're kind of back to having good games again. Again, we have no idea how the games are going to play out on Sunday. But remember there was a point, Jihei, like when we were younger, where like every game was like the worst game of the year. Like the Super Bowl was always like 52 to 17. Like it didn't it didn't matter. Uh, like, you know, like I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, but I'm really watching for the halftime show and the commercials and things like that. The game was terrible. Now, it, this postseason has been fantastic, by the way. I mean, if, if we get a good Super Bowl, it would be the cherry on top of what has been, in my view, the best postseason that we've ever had. I mean, you go to that divisional round, every game, last second field goal, uh, kind of the same thing on Sunday. I mean, going down to the very end of the game. So this has been a fantastic postseason. I, I think uh, hopefully we get a good game too, but yeah. Hey buckets. I mean, you want the day off, right? You, you don't want to go to work on Monday. No, a hundred percent. I agree with you, G. Hey, I think that, you know, the, the whole country is going to sit down and watch that game. I mean, typically, um, unless it's a very boring game, which I don't think we've had in a in a, in a while, at least on paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, that day definitely deserves to be a national holiday. But um, I don't know if <laughs> the 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 United States government would buy it. It definitely <laughs> it it makes sense to me, at least. I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, and I like that it's a Valentine's Day as well, so you can kind of use that as an excuse. I mean, people out there are going to be like, why do we give, uh, you know, why is this a holiday? And it's like, listen, like, let's just have fun. I mean, we, we need things to celebrate. So if we can kind of have a day to unwind and whether it's to celebrate Valentine's Day or whether it's to celebrate yourself or whether it's to celebrate your team winning or whatever, I, I don't think we have enough reasons to celebrate and enjoy ourselves now. Um but the other interesting thing is that the Super Bowl will be taking over Los Angeles beginning this weekend. I got a quick tour of the NFL experience at the LA Convention Center. We will be doing the show um, from the row 
at the Super Bowl Media Center. It'll be an interesting week, guys, because I don't know what it's going to look like. Again, uh, me and Jihei were in Tampa a year ago. That was a ghost town. It was it, you didn't even know the Super Bowl was there, like outside of the signage and stuff. I just, you know, it was a reduced capacity crowd, car, cardboard cutouts. It was just uh, crazy. Um, so this will be different, but in one respect, it, it's still a continuation of we're still in the time of COVID. And I, by the way, I wonder if the league adopts this. So what's happening is that the teams don't arrive to the city. Again, the Rams are in town. We, we get that. But in terms of their grand arrivals are not until Thursday night. And they don't have media availability in person until Friday. And that is the only media availability that we get. In years gone by for the Super Bowl, they arrive in the city on Sunday night. So that the Sunday before the game. So they're the, the, the teams are in town for the entire week. On Monday, they would have the media day. And then, you know, that kind of is the beginning of a long Super Bowl week. Now... Again, they're going to have those events. They're going to have those parties. I just wonder to what extent, if the teams are not here, does that change? But I mean, are I mean, me and Jihei remember the last time the Super Bowl was here. You, Armani, I don't think you were born. I maybe you were in the '92. You were no, exactly. So, yeah, listen, that, that was uh, the Rose Bowl. You had the Cowboys and the Bills, and Michael Jackson had the uh, halftime show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the, the exciting thing is it, it's back in Los Angeles. It's going to be a part of a rotation again. Um, I've heard, uh, some people tell me that, that we could, we could get the game back here by 2027. Um, but GK, I mean, I'm pumped to be having the Super Bowl back in Los Angeles. Again, all these big events are coming back to the city because of SoFi again, for years and years and years, we didn't have a team. We didn't have the Super Bowl. We didn't have the Olympics. We didn't have the all these big events, but they're coming back now. Yeah, so great. I mean, grateful for any kind of action because, again, like you said, we did go to Tampa. It was kind of a ghost town. Um, if you were not in downtown Tampa, exactly, yeah. you were seeing you were seeing squat. You were seeing nothing, no action whatsoever. So, um, I mean, th there were areas of Tampa that you didn't see any kind of action. You didn't see any kind of activity. So, um, just just grateful for kind of anything and like we're still and people don't realize we're still in the midst of, of of a pandemic yeah everybody i'm not i'm not sitting there going like you know things are 100 back normal and i think i said this you know years ago when we initially started this show i said it's gonna be a while until things get back to normal yeah you know i mean we're still at that point which i know our um i know everybody wants us to get back to normal but it's just we're still not there yet so until that happens you know it's it's gonna be a long road so um, we're we're getting there though, which which is great, um, especially considering uh, where we where we started. So uh, looking forward to celebrating this Super Bowl. Looking forward to going to Media Row for the first time. That's right. Yeah, be I my mean, first I mean, experience. When you talk about a ghost town, Jihei, I I think I showed you some pictures and why like it just made more sense to do the show from our hotel because there was nobody. I mean, there was nobody there. I mean, there was nobody there, and so I've been told it'll be a slightly improved situation. Not slightly. It'll be an improved situation this year. And some of our colleagues, Scott Farrell, we've never uh, you know met him in person uh tijuana tijuana he's gonna be there so that's gonna be fun to kind of hang out with some of our colleagues from the mightier 1090 espn radio sp sports map 
radio and things like that. Um, but you get, I hate when you're right. I, I hate a year ago you said we will be dealing with this till at least 2022, at least. And I'm like, don't say that. And you're like, well, I'm just telling you. And I'm like, don't say that because it's 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 it, it, it's true. Because there was a moment during the summer, this past summer, where mass mandate was gone, things got back to normal, and you're like, just watch. And I'm like, I just don't like when – I like it when you predict that the Rams are going to win. So that gives me some confidence. What, what you have to do, Jihei, is now you got to take all that, like, uh, Nostradamus and all your skills and take that to Vegas. And if you can predict the final score correctly, now we're talking. But, yeah, you are on quite the run in terms of predicting pandemics and uh, the Rams and Russell Westbrook. I hated that you were – Right about that. That's enough of me giving you any kind of credit because I don't like when you're right. But um, all right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the Rams going to the Super Bowl. We are going to hear from Rams coach Sean McVay when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Uh, Rams are going back to the Super Bowl. They're playing since the Cincinnati Bengals. Sean McVay is going up against his protege, his assistant coach, Zach Taylor, who was under uh, you know, him working with the tight ends, wide receivers, offensive coordinator. They are now going to go head-to-head, and the Rams are currently favored at four, dealing with some injuries after the NFC Championship game. We got an update uh, today from Sean McVay. I do want to play for you the press conference. Him meeting with the media after the NFC Championship game and giving us a preview of where the Rams are at going into Super Bowl week. Let's hear from Sean McVay right now. Um, just kind of reflecting at last night game, uh, you have played very clean games before. Obviously, this wasn't the situation, including some bad defensive penalties. How much emphasis would you have on avoiding mistakes and penalties? Yeah, it's, it's going to be big, Claudia. You know, I, I love the way that we were able to overcome some things, but um, we, we know to, to be able to finish this deal and, and get a win against an excellent Bengals team uh, in a couple weeks, we got to do a great job playing clean football, being sharp with, with really our communication in both phases, offensively, defensively, but just overall looking to play really clean, tough physical brand of football, uh, offense, defense, and in the kicking game. Hey, Sean, um, last time you were at the Super Bowl, afterwards you talked about uh, overcoaching. I'm, I'm curious, uh, in hindsight, what you meant by that now and, and what you've learned from that, that you would take forward. Yeah. Well, first of all, I thought, uh, you know, New England did a great job. Uh, definitely could have done a much better job of being more, you know, flexible throughout the course of the game and, and getting to some things sooner. And, you know, that's kind of what I alluded to. And then I think it's just making sure that you allocate the next couple of weeks. And this is even a little bit different um, because we are at home and we'll be able to keep somewhat of a rhythm and routine that's in alignment with a normal week. And so, um, figuring out the best way to navigate through those things. But I think it's, uh, you know, making decisions, um, you know, being clear with the players, with the expectations and, and part of the game plans that we want to be able to carry. And 
not uh, not really spending two weeks to tweak it, but you know, kind of get something set. You're always going to just fine tune a little bit here and there, but probably didn't do a good enough job of uh, you know really kind of making sure that you really try to treat that first week where you're getting the game plan in, and then the following week really represents uh, just making little tweaks, but still keeping the foundational parts of what you installed the previous week. That was important because you travel, you're out there for a week. And there was a lot of other distractions and you kind of wanted to get that finalized and set. Uh, it's a little bit different situation and circumstance, but certainly any previous experience you can always use uh, as a learning op and to apply the things that are going to be uh, the most beneficial for us to try to go win this game. Hey, Coach McVeigh. Um, you guys held uh, San Francisco to 50 yards rushing. What did you differently in this game as opposed to the first two times that you played the team? Yeah, well, our guys played great. I thought Raheem and the defensive coaching staff put together a great game plan. And then I thought we were really physical at the point of attack. Uh, you know, we played, uh, you know, with some heavier box counts. Um, you know, I thought Eric Weddle really showed up with his ability to be able to navigate through traffic, make a lot of close quarter tackles. But I thought we were physical on the front. I thought the second, in, in, you know, in, in our DBs, I thought everybody just played physical. But, you know, we committed more guys to the run front, um, you know, and you, you saw some some just heavier runs front structures from us yesterday and thought, uh, you know, the guys did a great job executing. And to hold a, a team like that to 50 yards is is an outstanding accomplishment. Hey, Sean, um, you know, right after the, the Super Bowl game against the Patriots, I think the word that you used was that you were you had been outcoached. Yep. Um, you know, you hear about athletes all the time kind of drawing from negative experiences and you know i don't want to have right i don't want this to happen again and that motivating them and stuff and you know just kind of wondering you know i guess a how long did it kind of take you to i think you used the word numb too to kind of describe how you felt and to kind of get over that shock of having that happen at that stage and you know what has been that process of you know uh i guess maybe me using that as fuel to to get back to this point sure yeah i, I think um you know, as you accumulate experience and you use it the right way, I tell our, we talk to our players all the time, repetition is the mother of learning, and it's no different for coaches. And you talk about managing the game or, you know, making decisions as a play caller and how you put together, uh, you know, a game plan to try to help put your players in the right situations. And so I thought, you know, Coach Belichick and those guys did a better job than I did, you know, for our team that night. And that's why I said those things. Um, I think, you know, as far as how you get over it, you know, that was a big deal, but you know, it's always a part of, you know, what you remember, but you, you do have to allow yourself to be able to move on, but you definitely don't want to minimize the learning lessons that can be had from it if you apply it in the right way. And, you know, those are things that whether it was the Super Bowl or really any game, I mean, even some of the things that occurred yesterday, you want to just continually learn from both the good and the bad, have a short memory, um, but also make sure that, uh, you know, you're looking back on those things as an opportunity to not make the same mistakes twice. Seem like everything you know up to that point is just kind of so positive, right? You kind of come in, you're having instant success. The team's kind of having good momentum. You guys kind of ride that to the Super Bowl, uh, and it does seem like since then, uh, you know, right? More criticism has been directed at you and stuff, and right. I mean, we see you're a competitive guy, right? You got an edge. Uh, just kind of wondering when you kind of hear things that maybe kind of piss you off. Is there a kind of a place maybe that you go mentally to kind of be able to, you know, not go crazy or stab Gary or? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I would say this, uh, Dylan. I think what you've learned is uh, you want to be inside out. Um, you know, the, the opinions, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of the platform that you guys enable for our league to be so successful and to be so popular. Um, but I do try to guard myself from allowing the outside in opinions to affect the way that you operate on a day to day basis. 
I have total respect and appreciation for the job that you guys have. But, you know, the opinions that I'm concerned with are the people that I work with closely every single day that know the ins and outs. Um, you know, I'm going to make mistakes, but I think you have to be comfortable enough in your own skin to be able to own those mistakes and be able to move forward, have that accountability you hear me talk about all the time. And I think the criticism is, is just part of being in these, uh, these leadership roles. Um, definitely you, you kind of get callous to it a little bit, but I also think one of the best ways is, you know, you kind of try to stay ignorant to it. You know, you, you try to minimize having stuff that can be put in your being that just isn't good energy and, and good positive vibes. And so, um, I do kind of try to stay more inside out than anything else. I've done a much better job these last couple of years of kind of guarding against it, where you look at kind of the national stuff, but, um, you know, I'm not looking at Gary's Twitter or anything like that when he's, when he's, uh, you know, criticizing me. Thank you. Hey, um, Sean, can you give us an update on, um, injuries coming out of that game, specifically Tyler Higby, but Yeah. So Higby's really the only one that, uh, you know, we're working through some different avenues. Um, he got an MCL sprain there, Gary. He's such a tough guy. Um, you know, we're going to do everything in our power to try to get this guy back and and ready to go. Um, but we are working through some things, but it it was an MCL sprain that he saw that he sustained yesterday or suffered. And everybody else, just your typical bumps and bruises. Taylor Rapp is looking like he's turning the corner in a positive way. Um, and so, you know, it was uh, it was good. It'll be good to kind of figure out how we want to utilize these next couple of weeks to try to get some guys that have played a lot of football that are banged up um, as healthy as possible for the 13th. But uh, the only guy that, uh, you know, from yesterday's game that his game status could be in doubt for the Super Bowl would be Higgs. But, you know, we're taking that a day at a time. Dylan was asking you about, you know, matching up against um, Bill Belichick. In this scenario with Zach, do you feel like kind of the sage veteran having, you know, going back now for the second time and having coached five seasons? I mean, I think, you know, you've got more experience, but Zach was a part of that last Super Bowl with this team too. And so, you know, we have a a shared ownership that exists amongst our coaching staff. So he's been through those things. Um, He's accumulated great experience at other places that he's been, and he's done a phenomenal job these last few years um, with these guys. And so I I don't know that you look at it like that. I think you look at it as you have a tremendous amount of knowledge and respect for for what Zach brings to the table and done a great job surrounding himself with a great staff and, and that's why they're in this position but um you know we want to do everything in our power to try to use these next couple weeks the right way and then let the players go do their thing on the on the uh on the field hey Sean uh Eric Weddle went from driving his kids carpool about three weeks ago to being a leading tackler for the winning team in the NFC title game uh, what's what's going on there and from your perspective how is he able to do this it's outstanding um I'm not surprised. It's just one of those deals that, you know, for him to be able to pull this off and what he's done, you know, the juice and and the energy, the leadership that he's brought over the last couple of weeks has been palpable. I mean, I've loved having him around. Um, love Eric Weddle. I know the teammates love him and, and, you know, what he's done, you know, playing as many snaps as he has the last couple of weeks is it's incredible. It's remarkable. But if there was anybody that was going to be able to do it, it, it would be him. And, I think his knowledge of the game, his instincts, his natural toughness, his feel, all those things uh, were on display yesterday. And I'll be the first to tell you there's a couple things that we can clean up, but I thought he played a great game. I thought the second and one tackle that he had that got him to third and two was one of the biggest plays of the game. Um, then we end up getting the stop on third down, and then they tried to get us to jump off sides on fourth down. But that play on second and one, if you just watch the way that he was able to re- you know, have the concept recognition trigger in the backfield and get it for a minus one, it was some great stuff. And uh, He's been awesome, Greg. It's it's 
it's a great story. It is a great story. It's almost like some movie stuff that you would write, but he's really doing it in real life. Here we go. Hey, Sean, uh, first real quick, want to also check on Sebastian, Robert, and Daryl and whether you think you're going to be able to get them up this week. Or yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, Reggie and I have kind of started. We'll, we'll talk about that. There's definitely a possibility. want to make sure that I sit down and, and those guys about how they're feeling before anything becomes official. But I definitely am not uh, closing the door on the possibility of those three guys being able to participate. And then um, wanted to ask you if you could take us through what you saw or what you were being advised on those two challenges uh, kind of left you without timeouts with 10 minutes left. Yep. So, you know, the, the accountability lies with me. The, the first one with the quarterback sneak, um, I think it was probably that was a, not a great decision by me. It was kind of one of those you're hopeful you see the side shot of it. Going back to Arizona where we ended up challenging the one on the QB sneak, you're kind of hopeful that, all right, if they give you the, the top-down shot, then maybe it goes through. That one was totally on me. And then the other one, you know, it looked like it was kind of a bang-bang play. In the flow of the game, there was a possibility that, you know, we maybe thought there was a fumble there. Um, do that one a little bit differently, but, but ultimately those decisions are my responsibility. I've gotten great information all year. Those guys do a great job. Um, in those instances yesterday didn't work out, but you know, there's, there's nobody that's responsible other than myself. And like we talked about kind of earlier in this conversation, got to be able to learn from it. Fortunately, it didn't hurt us. Um, but it is important to be able to have those timeouts in your back pocket. If you need, uh, if you need those, um, and being a little bit smarter, um, with those challenges. And, and that was something I didn't do a great job for us with yesterday. You've talked a lot, uh, this year on, on multiple occasions about, learning or, or evolving your sense of aggression and balancing that with patience. Um, when you see a, a decision by someone, you know, so well, a, a team, you know, so well, you know, Kyle Shanahan, that punt um, on the short yardage about midfield after the, the other challenge um, and seeing what you guys were able to do on the other side of that in terms of the swing do you also troubleshoot those types of things in your mind? Do those types of lessons, even though you're not specifically the one maybe learning it, um, do those still factor in as you study yourself and, and your decision making? There's no question. You use the other 31, uh, you know, the teams, the inventory, all the information that you have at your disposal because they're still playing the same game. And, the, and these are all applicable situations. Um, if, this, if the roles were reversed, I would have done the same thing Kyle did. It was a 17-14 game. That they had good momentum, you know, they, they had been playing well. It was a hard fought game where you're at in that situation when you're up three. Um, and it was, it wasn't like it was a one, you know, this was a long two. We had done a good job defensively and, you know, felt like that was what they were going to try to do. And, and I probably would have done the same thing if I was in Kyle's role. Um, but you definitely want to want to use the other examples as learning ops without a doubt, Jordan, to, to answer your original question. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome. All right, guys, we have a we have a lot of hands. We won't have time to have three questions a person. So let's be efficient with our, our time. Uh, Kevin. One, uh, uh, you know, the possibility of playing the Super Bowl at home has kind of been part of the Rams story all season. Now that it's here, you talked a little bit about this before, but have you worked out the practice and other schedule for the next two weeks, uh, you know, with an eye to to taking full advantage of that, and 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 are there any pitfalls that you have to have to address? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, to answer the first part, yeah, we're definitely talking about you know the schedule and, and how we want to allocate the, our time over the next couple of weeks without it getting stale, you know, and kind of like what I was answering earlier on in this conversation. 
Um, it's a little bit different, you know, when Kirk asked the question, Kurt asked the question about what you learned, you know, different than when we went to Atlanta a couple of years ago, because try to get everything done before you have to travel. Well, we don't have to travel. You know, we're able to stay in our facilities, um, you know, do all those things. And so being able to, uh, you know, manage the next couple of weeks, getting our players refreshed, but making sure that they feel, uh, you know, as confident and as ready to go when the 13th hits without any monotony setting in, that's kind of that delicate balance. But have laid have, have laid out some some initial plans that we're kind of fine tuning right now, um, and then as far as the pitfalls, you know, I think it's great to be able to stay in the normal rhythm and routine. I think what you also don't want to minimize is you know what a special thing this is. Allow our guys to be able to enjoy it, understand where the focus is. But when you have all the people coming in from out of town, making sure you kind of get all those things taken care of. You know, they're they're not a distraction at the house or however people want to be able to handle it. But those would be some of the things that. It's a blessing to be able to be at home, Kevin, but you also want to make sure that, you know, the magnitude of this game, even though we are playing at our home stadium in our home city, um, it doesn't take away from the focus of, of finishing the task at hand. And that's trying to get one more win. And then um, we could all probably come up with, you know, 10, 20, 30 turning points or big moments in the past year that helped the Rams get to this point. Is there anything that stands out to you as maybe an underrated turning point obviously we're eliminating you know the Matthew Stafford trade that's obvious but uh anything that that really made a big difference for you I mean there's so many there's so many things that I could really point to I mean you know if you're just talking about just you know additions I mean you look at some of the guys that have to had to step up kind of like what Jordan asked after the game yesterday the T Howards of the world the Kendall Blantons that's a great um you know that's a great recognition for those guys, but it's also a great reflection of less in his group, our coach's ability to develop guys. You could talk about um, what an amazing addition Vaughn and both Odell have been and how instrumental they've been of kind of raising the level of play and being able to solidify certain spots that have made us, you know, that much better on defense with Vaughn and offense with Odell. You look at Eric Weddle, the addition of that the last couple of weeks. I mean, what an amazing job. I think his rapport with Nick Scott has allowed Nick Scott to take his game to a different level. And so, I think there's been a lot of, I think to get yourself in a position like this, you have to have great players. You have to have everybody pulling the rope in the same direction. And I think you have to stack a lot of good decisions on top of one another where they work out in your favor. And I think that's what you've seen, um, you know, work out. And it's all, it's all about the people. You know, that's been the thick, the key thing, Kevin, is we've, uh, we've added great people that are very talented football players and they want to go try to do everything in their power to win for the, the players that they care about in that locker room the love that they have for one another. And uh, I think you could feel that with the way that this team has come together at the right moments, uh, you know, these last, this last month or so. Hey, Sean, uh, hey. before I ask my question, uh, I want to make you look as great on TV as possible. Is there any way to turn your camera down a little bit? You're so low on the bottom of the screen. I want you to look terrific on Fox LA. Oh, there tonight. you go. You can there see you go. The, the shiner I got on my nose from hugging Whitworth and Stafford when they hit my nose with their helmet. <laughs> <laughs> um I want to ask you about your opponent, and I just want you to size it up for me a bit, um, what the Bengals have done, not, not only this year, but to turn around a franchise in, in two years like they've done, and what impresses you most about this team right now? Yeah, we're just diving into these guys, Kyle, so you know, to say anything schematically would, would be difficult. I've watched them from afar, and we've crossed over with them a little bit, but you know, I think when you just look at the three years with Zach, I think it's a great uh, you know, testament to the consistent approach to a process, a commitment to a philosophy. And then you get the right guys at the key spots and how instrumental that can be in flipping the switch and flipping the narrative. Obviously, Burrow's been outstanding. I thought they've made some 
some key additions in the draft with their skill players. You know, Joe Mixon has always been a really good runner, but you look at the impact that T. Higgins has had. Obviously, Jamar Chase has been phenomenal. I think Boyd is one of the more underrated players in this league, and he was on that roster prior to Zach getting there. But, you know, their, their core group of skill players has been phenomenal. Their line is, is they're tough, competitive. Um, they've made some key additions in free agency defensively. You know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the guys they added in the back end, um, you know, really on both levels. Uh, you know, they got rookie guy. They got young players that are really contributing. And then they've always been a really good special teams outfit, um, you know, and, and uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. But I'm looking forward to really being able to dive into it and, and probably have a little bit more specific answers for you um, over the next couple of days. Sean, when you think back to the last Super Bowl and this time two weeks before and you look at yourself now, what's the biggest difference that you see in yourself? I think it's just experience. Um, I think, you know, being able to learn from all those other things that have occurred. You know, you if you if you really work hard at something, I think you give yourself a chance to get better. But I also realize it's about being surrounded by great people. we got great players. We've got really good coaches. Um but I just think, you know, that experience that you accumulate, both the good and the bad, and, and use it as learning opportunities and um, making sure that you try to do everything in your power to, to put our players in the right position, structure the week and practices and the game plans in a manner that's reflective of, uh, you know, accentuating these players' skill sets, letting them go out and play with a quieted mind. And, um, you know, but the experience thing, I, I would say, is the, the biggest difference, Maria. All right. That was Rams coach Sean McVay giving us a little preview of uh, what's to come this week, how the team is doing. Hopefully, Tyler Higby can return and be available to the team. Uh, listen, I mean, they, they, they are in a good position in terms of the players that they have available. Uh, currently, four-point favorites. That line is going to move a little bit up, I think, as we get towards uh, the game week. But, you know, all these events are coming to Los Angeles right now. The NFL Experience is currently setting up at the convention center. We're going to be there next week doing the show from Radio Row. We can't wait for that. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.